Saints fans, Pelicans fans, let's go. This is the Black and Blue Report. Black. Bree is going to go deep. He's got Graham. Touchdown. Blue. Down the lane. Shoots. No. Tip follow in for Davis with three tenths of a second left. Welcome into the podcast for the fans, straight from the teams they love. It's good to see you guys, and uh, I didn't know we had Studio B here in our facility. Good setup. Now that I know where your guys' little office is, I can pop in here whenever I want. Well, we're playing through AD, and so everybody's going to have to adjust to that. Coaches, players, analysts, celebrities, and more. That guy's Anthony Mackie. I've gotten in many of our arguments about the Pelicans and the Saints uh, over the years. Harry County Jr. joins us here on the Black and Blue Report. Undoubtedly, to me, the Saints are the singular reason that New Orleans is back on the map. Hoda Kotb from the Today Show on NBC, our guest. You know, New Orleans gets in your blood. The Saints never leave it once they get in there. This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio. Wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's up, and welcome into the Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report, and happy Halloween to everyone. I'm Daniel Sellerson, filling in for Sean Kelly, who is on his way back to the Big Easy after being in Charlotte last night. Well, Saints fans, your black and gold are waking up this morning as the leaders of the NFC South. The Saints snapped their seven-game regular season road losing streak last night by defeating the Carolina Panthers 28-10. It took a little bit for both teams to get going as the game was scoreless after one quarter. Then the Saints scored two huge touchdowns right before the half, which gave them all the momentum for the second half. Drew Brees finishes with 297 passing yards, one TD to Jimmy Graham, and one interception. Mark Ingram, another nice night rushing, 100 yards, 30 carries, and two touchdowns. Cam Newton never looked comfortable last night as Cam Jordan Jr. Glenn Company continued to put the pressure on the former Heisman Trophy winner all night and coming up with four sacks. John DeJazer will be here shortly to help me break down the Saints win. And uh, on the basketball side, anyone see what LeBron's return to Cleveland? I missed it because, of course, I was watching the Saints game. But the Cavs, huge home opener for them as LeBron makes his return and they fall last night to the Knicks. So uh, the Cavs and company have a lot of work to do. They want to compete for a championship. How does that happen even on LeBron's return? I don't know, but his, his chalk toss was back. The fans were throwing confetti. It was a nice night in Cleveland, but LeBron and the Cavs came up short. The Pelicans were back on the practice floor yesterday getting ready for their Southwest Division showdown with the Dallas Mavericks tomorrow night. Some tickets are still available for that game, so make sure you grab some on pelicans.com or you can call 504-525-HOOP. You don't want to miss this one. All fans in attendance will receive a schedule magnet courtesy of Fox Sports New Orleans. The Pelicans will practice today, and the Mavericks will travel to the Big Easy today. As uh, Before they do, the radio voice of the Mavericks, Chuck Cooperstein, will join me to preview tomorrow's night's game. The Mavs are coming off a huge win last night in their home opener over the Jazz, 120-102. to So a busy day. I don't want to ramble on. We'll have Chuck Cooperstein on to talk about Pelicans-Mavericks. We'll have some sound from the Saints locker room, Drew Brees and Curtis Lofton. But coming up next, John DeShazer joins me in Studio B to recap the Saints' win last night. We'll be back in a moment.
Game on with NFL Ticket Exchange, the only official ticket exchange of the NFL, where 100% of tickets are verified by Ticketmaster. Buy and sell the NFL-approved way. Visit NFLTicketExchange.com. Together, we make football. Let's get the ball rolling for a thrilling time at the Sanderson Farms Championship PGA Golf Tournament, November 3rd through 9th at the Country Club of Jackson. For lots of first-class golf and fan-pleasing fun, join us for the Sanderson Farms Championship. It'll be quite a ride, unless you're chicken. For ticket information, visit www.sandersonfarmschampionship.com. Don't miss Blue Man Group. The theatrical sensation is coming to you, and your chance to see it is right now. Blue Man Group, experience the phenomenon. Coming to Beau Rivage, October 31st to November 2nd. Get tickets at BeauRivage.com. We're talking Saints football on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the show. Time to break down the Saints' 28-10 win over the Panthers, and John DeShazer joins me in Studio B do just that jd it's always fun talking about a win the day after yeah it always feels a little bit better when you win it um you know as coach says everybody uh you're a little lighter at work you sleep a little bit better although we didn't get in until about three so i guess not a whole lot of us slept a whole lot but you know it's always a lot a lot more light a lot lighter when you win a game now we usually talk about the offense to start things off but last night the defense caught my eye and it seemed like cam newton never got comfortable last night they uh, defensively, the Saints um, had their way with Carolina, and and they played decent defensively against Green Bay. It didn't look like it, you know, in the in the yards allowed because they almost allowed about you know 500 yards against Green Bay, but you know in points they only allowed 23, and more important than that, you know, only allowed uh, three field goals in the first half when they really had a chance to give away some touchdowns, and only allowed you know a touchdown in the second half against Green Bay. So they go to Carolina. And really just kind of hammer the Panthers on. You know, Panthers ran it a little bit, but that was mostly Cam Newton on scrambles. But for the most part, I'm throwing the ball. Cam Newton finished 10 for 28, 151 yards. He got intercepted once. He was sacked four times. He also fumbled off a sack. Uh, Saints, you know, really dominated defensively. And the pass defense was especially good. Not just the sacks, the four sacks. I think all those came in the second half. But the pass defense in terms of cornerbacks and, and, and safeties and defensive backs getting their hands on the football and, and getting pass breakups. I think they ended up with seven pass breakups, which is pr- a pretty high number in any game. So, you know, you got to throw your hat. You, you know, you got to toss your hat off to them because there was a time in the first half especially – Saints turned it over on their first two possessions, and uh, the defense had to come to the rescue until the offense kind of figured itself out. And even then, even after the the turnovers and the stops, the offense ended up uh, getting stopped and having to punt a couple of times after that. So the defense really held strong until the offense kind of figured it figured its way out. And even though they were flukish turnovers, but the Saints didn't go with a here we go again kind of attitude. The defense really ran back out on the field and got the stops and got the football right back for the offense. So, you know, give all the, all the credit to the defense on that one. You're talking about the, the secondary that's that struggled a little bit this season. They were ranked last in the passing yards allowed, but it really seemed like they were able to do a good job holding Kelvin Benjamin and their big tight end, Greg Olson. Yeah, a lot of that Kelvin Benjamin was, was Keenan Lewis. I mean, Keenan played – you know, Kelvin Benjamin's a rookie, and uh, if you if you watched the game on TV, if you saw the highlights, you saw that 
Keenan, um, every time Keenan made a play against him, he let him know that he was there. Yeah, I <laughs> so, noticed that. <laughs> so, so uh, but he played at, you know, they have said maintained all last season, all this season, even though the Saints defense, pass defense wasn't what they wanted it to be, that Keenan has played at a high level. And he played at a huge level uh, last night. Now, Kelvin Benjamin helped him on one play. He dropped a touchdown in the end zone. Pass was a little bit behind him. But he dropped it. But other than that, Keenan pretty much smothered him and was everywhere he was supposed to be, you know, physically and technique-wise. And, you know, they really played a great game against Kelvin Benjamin and Greg Olson and really just great pass defense. A lot of times they flushed Cam Newton around a little bit and Cam tucked it and ran. And, you know, sometimes he just threw him and he was, he was you know, horrifically inaccurate last night, Cam Newton was. So, you know, that didn't help Carolina's cause. But I think a lot of that had to do with the Saints defense you know, speeding up his time clock. He was never allowed to be really comfortable, I don't think. Now let's go to the offense. Mark Ingram, 30 carries, 100 yards, two touchdowns. Um, between that and the Packers games, had a really good two games. Does him running the ball effectively now open up the passing game so much more and make Drew Brees' job a little easier? Yeah, same against Green Bay. I mean, if you can run it, then you can play action. And he's run it, you know, he ran it 24 times against Green Bay, which was a career high. Followed up this week with 30, another career high. Got 100 yards back-to-back weeks for the first time in his NFL career. So he gives the Saints the opportunity to effectively play action. And not only that, they dominated the football last night. I think they had it for almost about almost 35 minutes of possession time. And if you can hold a football that long on the road and run it pretty effectively – and through it when you need to, which is what the Saints ended up doing because they got some nice chunk plays, as Coach Payton likes to say, some chunk yards in the passing game. Well, those are recipes for winning, and then they were able to balance it out with a couple of turnovers defensively, so that really helped. But again, you know, Mark, Mark Ingram has really shown up well these last couple of games with Pierre Thomas and Kyrie Robinson being down. He's been, you know, more than the bell cow. I mean, he's been everything that they expected him to be when they moved up in the first round and drafted him a few years ago. I believe that last touchdown drive, the Saints had the ball for over eight minutes. It really took the momentum out for the Panthers. Jimmy Graham, seven receptions, 83 yards, a touchdown, but still didn't look as comfortable out there with the shoulder. Um, do you know anything about his shoulder right now, and how do you think he looked last night? No, we don't know. I mean, we, you know, you could see he kept wincing, and, and, you know, there was some discomfort. But it's probably going to be a situation where he's just going to have to play hurt the, the rest of this year. I don't think uh, he's going to have time to rest it. Now, you get – you know, an extended period this week where they get the weekend off and they won't play again until next Sunday. So basically you get about 10 days or so before they play again. But it looks like it's going to be one of those injuries where it's going to be aggravated every time he's hit or every time he falls or something like that. And it doesn't, you know, it certainly isn't going to help his cause that defenders know that he has an injury because, you know, on the on the interception last night, he got leveled. He was nowhere near the play. And he got leveled because, you know, they know he's a guy who's who's a little bit injured right now. So people are going to try to take him out. He's just going to have to learn how to deal with it these last eight regular season games because, you know, it's going to be there. I think it's going to be an issue the entire time. And it's, he's just not going to have time for it to heal and be on the field because he's if he's on the field, he's going to be a target. And not just for the defense, but for this offense. Because, as you mentioned, you know, 93 yards, seven receptions last night. That's the guy who, you know, is kind of in the swing of things, even though he doesn't look like him himself except when he hurdled Roman Harper early in the game. But for the most part, you know, that's going to be him the rest of this season. We talked about earlier the turnovers. The team forced two turnovers on the Panthers. They also gave away two last night. 
Turnover differential, is that the main concern right now, you'd say, for the Saints? Yeah, that's huge, especially when you're on the road because they're so hard to overcome. Usually, you know, if you turn it over on the road, that gives the other team momentum. They fool around and get a field goal or a touchdown out of it, and now all of a sudden the game just kind of flips on you and, and the crowd's into it. But if you can hold on to the football on the road, and move it effectively and keep their crowd out of it and get a few stops, then it's pretty much kind of an even deal. So that's why you need to be really even in the turnover ratio because at home you can kind of overcome those things. Yeah, fans will get disappointed, but they'll jump right back on the bandwagon as soon as you get a 15-yard completion, whereas on the road it'll kind of snowball on you. So it was critical last night that the defense did not yield points after the Saints turned it over those two times. And one of them was around midfield, so they were working with a short field. But they got got the job done, got got the stops, got off the field. And that's one of the things they weren't able to do earlier in the season. We saw it in Cleveland. We saw it happen in Dallas in, in a big loss. We saw it happen in Atlanta. We saw it happen, you know, in Detroit in a critical situation. So, you know, where they just couldn't get off the field on, on third and long as a matter of fact. But last night against Carolina, they were able to get off the field effectively, and that makes all the difference in the world, even if you turn over the ball. If you if you can get a defensive stop, it'll kind of it'll mitigate your circumstances. Now, you mentioned uh, 10 days off now between games. Um, are the Saints off all weekend as far as no contact, just rest, and then they get back to work Monday? How does you know playing a Thursday night game affect their schedule? Yeah, I'm not exactly sure what the schedule is. I'm sure there's going to be rest, and I'm sure there's going to be treatment today. Uh, uh, today, Friday, and probably throughout the weekend for the guys who are injured. But I would imagine they'll be off their feet. They won't, won't really get back into preparations. I know um, during the bye week, Coach Payton had what he called a, a, a bonus practice on the Monday when they came back. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't have a bonus practice on Monday but didn't do anything before that. Just go out there and kind of get your legs back under you, uh, work on some fundamentals, work on Saints versus Saints you know, stuff as opposed to worrying about what San Francisco does because generally the game plan doesn't really get its installation until next Wednesday. Might maybe install a little bit. I don't know. But the general calendar is that, you know, the installation process begins next Wednesday for San, San Francisco. So I'd, I'd imagine those guys would be pretty inactive this weekend. So the good news is the Saints are at home for their next three. The only problem is they're facing three good teams, San Francisco, Cincy, and Baltimore, so the schedule doesn't get any easier, J.D. No, schedule the schedule maker, uh, hey, it's, that's you know AFC South, uh, excuse me, AFC North division, and, and they've got some pretty good teams. But the way the Saints are playing, and San Francisco, by the way, and uh, but the way the Saints are playing right now, um, you know, they got beat. Green Bay was one of the hottest teams in the league when they came in, had won four straight. And uh, beat them 44-23. And, and we know when the Saints play at the Superdome, they are, you know, a, a different team. Um, and, and so, you know, you, you like your chances with them, whether it's San Francisco, which they beat at the Superdome last year, whether it's Cincinnati, whether it's Baltimore, you get them in the Superdome and you take your chances. The Saints have already, you know, date back to last year. Now they're, you know, 11 straight in the Superdome. And uh, under Coach Payton, you know, he was suspended for a year, but so that's 11 straight now and then there was nine so that's 20 straight under him when he's been coaching the team and most of them have been of that green bay variety you know 44 to 23 kind of score so you know you like your chances when you get them back home in the, in the superdome should be a fun couple of weeks and on the pelican side you are actually going to tv tomorrow night against the dallas mavericks uh should be a good one tomorrow night in the Smoothie King Center. Yeah, going to sub on for our good friend David Wesley, who has a, 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 a an event to attend in Charlotte. So I'll get a chance to kind of sub out for Dub, and, uh, you know, I'll try to keep his seat warm and try not to do too good a job because I don't want his job. 
So, um, yeah, he'll, he'll come back and handle his, his duties when he finishes up with that event. I think he's going to the Bobby Fields, <coughs> excuse me, um, jersey retirement yes. uh, ceremony in Charlotte, which is a, a big deal. He and Bobby were great friends. And so, you know, deserving of, of Bobby's jersey being retired again. And, and certainly Dub needs to be there. David Wesley needs to be there considering their relationship. But uh, it'll be a little fun on the TV side. I'll miss Sean on the radio side. So he'll have to hold it down, which he did all preseason mm-hmm. for the most part. And he's kind of accustomed to it now since I'm, you know, kind of a fly-by-night part-timer sometimes. But, uh, you know, so he'll hold it down. And also he has a big anniversary uh, tomorrow. I don't yes. know. If everybody knows, and maybe I shouldn't be making the announcement, but it'll be his 10-year to the day uh, broadcasting anniversary. His first broadcast for the Pelicans uh, will be 10 years to the day from tomorrow. So, you know, huge kudos for for him. And they said it wouldn't last. (laughs) And there he is 10 years later. So um, big, big, big things for him. And, uh, and I'll miss him, but, uh, you know, I'll go run down and hang out with Joel Myers for a while, and and, uh, we'll try not to get on one another's nerves and try to finish up a game. I might have some tricks up my sleeve for Mr. Kelly's 10-year anniversary, but we'll leave those for tomorrow. That's John DeShazer, senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com. Halloween costume, you have to be going out and trick-or-treating, right? I ain't going nowhere, man. We got in at 3, and if I can finish out this day by 4, 5, 6 o'clock here, I'm going to go home and, like, lay down. My son is 21. (laughs) I don't have any grandkids. Knock wood, thank God. And uh, (laughs) so I will not be partaking of anything that I can think of unless I can get a really, really great nap and uh, and then do something else. But now nah, I, I anticipate it being a really, really, really quiet night for me. So you're going to be sitting laying on the couch. That means you're going to be going as Landon Donovan for Halloween. Correct? That's exactly what I'm going to be doing. I'm, I'll have the uh, I'll have the NBA games watching me on TV because I certainly will <laughs> not be watching, but I will have the TV on. Perfect. That's John DeShazer, senior writer for NewOrleansSaints.com. JD, thanks as always, and enjoy your pleasant night, Halloween night in the Big Easy. Always great to be here, man. Now, now, just because I'm not trick-or-treating doesn't mean I ain't going to have any candy because, you know, I will, you know, not that I'm going to have candy to give away, but, (laughs) you know, I will have some candy, I'm sure, (laughs) just so I can say I I participated a little bit in Halloween. I think half my bowl's already gone, and they're supposed to be handing out tonight, so I don't know how that's going to go. But I'll I'll make sure to stop by your house, and if you say you have candy. I have good stuff, man, because I I buy the stuff that, you know, if I can't give it away, I I like it. So, you know, it's always like Snickers and, you know, the good stuff. I ain't going to buy the the bad stuff that, you know, you're stuck with if you can't give it all away. I'll tweet out JD's address to make sure everyone comes by. Says hi to J.D. and get some candy. Watch some NBA basketball with him. I'm sure J.D. would love to have you all in his home. Uh, Yeah, yeah. They'll watch me sleep, and I'll, you know, try not to, you know, (laughs) snore. When we come back, we'll head into the locker room and hear from Saints quarterback Drew Brees and linebacker Curtis Lofton. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. Everything you need to know about your New Orleans Pelicans is right in the palm of your hands. The New Orleans Pelicans app is easy to use, plus makes an excellent companion whether you're watching the team in the Smoothie King Center or on the road. Recently added features on the app include the latest videos and highlights, plus access to a full list of arena amenities. Download the Pelicans app for free now on your iPhone or Android devices. For more information, check out pelicans.com today. I'm Tom Richards. I'm 35 years old, vice president of sales at a regional paper company. Six months ago, we decided to transition to one of those cool collaborative open space offices. So now I sit in the open next to three other sales managers, which means there's nothing separating me from... 
Not getting Carl's nasty cold and missing a sales opportunity this winter? That is my purpose. Blend it now. Try the Immune Builder Smoothie at Smoothie King. It's the tastiest way to stay healthy this winter. Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Hi, it's Mark Romig. When I'm not announcing touchdown, Saints, I'm listening to the Black and Blue Report. The Saints arrived home last night around 3 a.m. to an awesome crowd outside of the airport and will now get to enjoy a weekend off knowing they have a win under their belt and they're leading the NFC South at 4-4. Four and four. Let's hear from the players following the win last night in the locker room. We'll start with number nine, Drew Brees. Um, we do understand our road record here over the last, you know, seven or eight trips. Um, but we just know if we come out and we execute and we... We start fast, we finish strong, and execute well in between. That we're gonna win a lot of football games, and we just haven't, you know, done that uh, thus far, especially on the road. Um, but I feel like the last couple times we've just continued to get better and better and better. And if you want to call it breaking the seal, whatever you want to call it, it we just we just call it another win, uh, a great team victory all the way around, um, great execution on both sides of the ball, guys making plays when we need to make plays, and. Um, just a great team victory. You didn't have a moment after the way those first two takeaway turnovers happened to think, well, maybe there is Nah, listen, well, I mean, hey, um, I think, again, that's just, uh, that's the adversity is going to come at some point in the game, and you don't know when, but, um, you know, we, we preach starting fast, and I felt like we did. Unfortunately, you know, we go down, we get the tipped pick, and then the fumble, you know, as we're driving, but, we, man, we were moving the ball both times, so you're, you're sitting there going, okay, I mean, obviously we, we can't do this because it's, it's giving them momentum. It's giving them positive field position. You know, it kind of forced us to play, you know, the game inside of our 10-yard line to start, you know, about the next three or four drives. But um, we knew if we just kept plugging away and thinking about execution, thinking about balance and thinking about moving the football that, that we'd be able to score some points. And sure enough, we did. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mark's been super consistent. The old line has done a heck of a job. Um, you know, we've we've done it in spite of not having, you know, two backs here over the last two weeks and Kyrie and Pierre. And obviously those guys are a big part of what we do. But uh, Mark has, man, carried the load. Uh, Travars Cadet's come in and done a great job when it's been when his, his number's been called. Um, you know, it sets up certain things in the passing game, which then if we can have success there, then it complements the run. So it's, um, man, it's when our offense is at its best. Have you talked to Sean yet? What did he say? Yeah, um, yeah. It was just one of those like, hey, if you if you get the look, then then great, and if not, then you know we can always call a timeout and talk about it. But um, looked like it was there, so went for it. Um, say it one more time. And that was huge. Anytime you can score in a two-minute situation, especially the end of half, you just have all that momentum going in at halftime. And it wasn't just a field goal. You know, it's a touchdown with three seconds left. So, you know, kind of one of those last play before we kick the field goal, and that's a four-point swing there. I mean, that's a lot of momentum. So you come in at 14 to nothing, but, man, we're still preaching, you know, each drive being the most important drive of the game. And um, forget the 14-point lead. You know, it's about winning the second half. And, indeed, we won the second half as well. And so that's what matters. Drew, it looks like you'd be great getting on 
yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I know, you know, he, it's, it's kind of day-to-day with the injury, you know. I mean, he's a tough guy, and so he he's had to play through a lot here over the last couple weeks. Um, but, man, he's done it. He's done it um, magnificently. And, you know, I think as the weeks go by, he'll continue to get healthier and healthier, and I'm sure he'll start to feel better. I mean, you wouldn't know just by watching him play, but, you know, I know there's times where he's hurting, and yet he's still battling through, and that's just the type of teammate he is. He's yeah. Listen, he's the leg. He's the leg. I mean, I you know to be honest with you, during the course of the game, I'm not thinking a whole lot about hey, where's Morstead going to put this punt or. I mean, I'm focused on, hey, what did we just see from the defense? How are we going to attack when we go back out there? What are the things we need to do? You just kind of worry about the things you can control. But, man, it's nice when you see one of those booming punts go inside the 10 and it puts them back because then you say, okay, defense comes up with a stop here, then we're going to get good field position we're going to be rolling. So, you know, he, he, he can be the secret weapon, that's for sure. On the defensive side, the Saints allowed just 10 points, forcing two turnovers and sacking Cam Newton four times, forcing a fumble. And after the game, Sean Kelly caught up with the captain of the defense, Curtis Lofton, who finished the game with seven tackles. Curtis, congratulations. That's two straight big team wins for you guys. Yeah, you, we had to get on a roll, and now we're on a roll, and it feels good. You know, this this divisional win uh, on the roll is just a special one. You know, it's just all offense, defense, and it's just definitely a team win. Curtis, Sean said after the one and three start, that's, that's really who we are. Now you've won three of your last four. Is that who you are now? I would say so. You know, you only go off what you've done and what you put in. And, you know, we're three or four right now, and we just got to keep this train rolling. Those were the two turnovers in the first half, and you guys are able to hold them to zero points. It seemed to really kind of set the tone for your side of the football tonight. Well, you know, uh, in, a, in a game, the offense may not be rolling just yet. So as a defense, you know, especially in away games, you always got to pack your defense. And we came out and played a great game as a defense. We got us back in it, didn't give up any points, and then got some turnovers too. Curtis, would you talk about the, the secondary behind you? They seem to be making big jumps here in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, they, they've gotten better every single week. You know, they were, they're young and uh, they were inexperienced, but as the, as the weeks go along, those guys are really starting to show up on tape, whether it's making a big pass deflection or coming up in the run. You know, those guys really are playing really good for us. You talk about a pitcher who's in a groove and they say he's throwing free and easy. You guys seem to be playing defense free and easy right now. Yeah, you know, Rob, Rob, I mean, it goes to the whole defensive staff. They put us in situations that allows us to succeed. And uh, we just have to get back to doing it, playing our style of defense, playing with attitude and, uh, you know, going out there and, you know, dictating to offenses. I knew you wouldn't talk about it during the week, but how tough was it to play Sunday night late and then travel to play the Thursday night game? Well, that's just the cards that were dealt. You know, we nothing we could have did about it. I mean, that's one of the uh, toughest turnarounds you know, on your body, but uh, Coach did a great job. Coach Payton did a great job of, uh, you know, having walkthroughs, letting us get our body back and get fresh, fresh enough for this game. And, uh, you know, we came away to win. It's pretty good. You can watch all the postgame locker room videos on NewOrleansSaints.com. Sean and John also have a recap from last night in Charlotte. When we come back, we'll turn our attention to basketball and preview tomorrow night's Pelicans-Mavericks game with the radio voice of the Mavs, Chuck Cooperstein. At the Auctioner Hospital for Children, no matter where you turn, you're surrounded by bravery. Children and teens dealing with health problems beyond their years. Parents working hard to keep the worry from their face. 
doctors and nurses doing everything possible to get them back home where they belong. From rare brain tumors and leukemia to heart conditions and organ transplants, we offer a level of pediatric care unmatched in Louisiana with more advanced capabilities than any other children's hospital in the region. Even our kids-only ER can handle any pediatric emergency. In fact, the only thing tougher than the problems we see every day are the kids themselves. Choose the Auctioner Hospital for Children and never wonder if you could have done more. Call 866-AUCTIONER to find an affiliated pediatrician near you. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. This is Pelicans head coach, Monty Williams, and you're listening to the Black and Blue Report. It's time to talk basketball here on the Black and Blue Report as the Pelicans will play their second game of the season tomorrow against the Dallas Mavericks. And joining me now to preview the game is the radio voice of the Mavericks and a friend of the program, Chuck Cooperstein. Chuck, thanks for coming on this morning. My pleasure. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Chuck, the Mavs made some moves this offseason, acquiring Jameer Nelson, Chandler Parsons, Tyson Chandler, and Alfred Camino. Is the style of play the same with the addition of these guys, or are we going to see a different team out there for the Mavs? No, it, the style is the same, but I think you've just got better players. Uh, you know, you've got more athletic players. You know, Parsons and Aminu, you know, very athletic forwards. Uh, you know, Parsons, just his versatility is, is, is tremendous. And, um, you know, Jameer knows how to run things. And, you know, you've got Richard Jefferson on this team that can knock down a corner three. But, uh, you know, the Chandler uh, acquisition or reacquisition is, is the most important one because for the Mavericks to get where they want to go, they've just got to be better defensively. And so far, you know, through two games, it's been pretty much a mixed bag. It's pretty tough when you're playing San Antonio because they'll just carve anybody up. Um, but last night against Utah, and with the Jazz playing on the second of a back-to-back, uh, you know, they held the Jazz to 38% shooting in the first half and ran out to a 30-point lead. And that was a lot better. Uh, you know, but we'll we'll see that that is going to be a work in progress. But that ultimately is going to tell the tale. Speaking of Chandler, the front court duo of Chandler and Nowitzki will be a bigger challenge for the Pelicans tomorrow night. But the other way around, how does the Mavs game plan change with Anthony Davis and Omer Oshik down low for the Pels? Well, you know, the, the Mavericks had pretty much their own way last night going to the basket. They got whatever they wanted whenever they wanted. Uh, I would think that it would be significantly more difficult against uh, Davis and Oshik, you know, who were obviously both really good around the rim. Um, you know, I, 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 the Mavericks move the ball so well uh, that I, I think that, again, scoring is never going to be the issue for them. Uh, but in this game, you know, rebounding is a huge issue. Uh, the, the guards are really going to have to help out, and that's where the Mavericks are lacking a little bit. They don't have a lot of size, uh, you know, in their backcourt. And, um, you know, they just can't afford to have have Davis and Oshik have the types of games that they had against Orlando. Because if they do and you're creating all kinds of second opportunities, that's when you really get into trouble. Al Camino, who spent three years here in New Orleans, scored 16 points, grabbed 10 rebounds last night in Dallas's 120-102 to win over the Jazz. Is he expected to be an important piece for this team coming off the bench? Uh, I, I think he is. And, you know, he had a wonderful training camp. Uh, was uh, their leading rebounder, uh, you know, had a double-double in a, in a preseason game, which, you know, you don't really get to see very often simply because players don't play enough minutes to do it. Um, but, it, you know, you, you saw him in New Orleans enough to know that uh, he's a natural rebounder. The ball finds him. You know, especially he's a very good offensive rebounder, which, you know, certainly can't hurt if you're the Mavericks. He's really been working on his three-point shot. 
and that there's been some mixed results with that. But you know, he, he seems to have been playing here with a with a lot of confidence. They've uh, they've really allowed him, uh, you know, to try to get outside of where he was in New Orleans to really try to expand his game. And frankly, you know, the, the Mavericks are still trying to figure out their rotations. And you know, one of the things they've done uh, in some games is they brought Devin Harrison as the first sub for Dirk. Dirk usually goes out about six minutes. Well, last night, uh, Aminu was the guy that came in because Utah has guys like Favors and Cantor, you know, and Gobert that have uh, you know, really good size. So, uh, you know, I think in the end, I think Aminu's going to wind up carving out a spot for himself on this team simply because of his rebounding ability. Uh, and anything that he gives them offensively is going to be a bonus, but it looks like, uh, you know, given what we've seen so far, that he might be able to expand his game a little more so that he's a, a more efficient offensive player than maybe he was with the Pelicans. We're talking with Chuck Cooperstein, the radio voice of the Dallas Mavericks. Uh, Chuck, last night, I know it's a small sample size. He played the Jazz coming off a of back-to-back, but seven Dallas players were in double figures. Is this going to be a team that's going to be able to share the ball, uh, share the wealth, as I would say, a lot of team, a lot of players contributing as far as offensively? Well, that's been the goal, you know, ever since the Mavericks won the championship in 2011, was to try to take some of the heat off of Dirk so that he doesn't have to be the heavy lifter all the time. And, you know, and it's helped to the extent, again, in this very small sample, where Dirk is 16 of 24 in the first two games. And, you know, really, he looks like he's in midseason form. There are so many people who can score, and there are so many different ways for them to score, for, for them to score, that I don't think uh, teams are going to, you know, just be able to hug on Dirk all the time, you know, like they always have. And if you're going to give, if, if that's the case, and Dirk has just a little bit of extra room, well, that's that's a big problem for for Maverick opponents because you know he, he's just such a great mid range shooter that uh, you know again you you have to pick your poison. I don't know that we'll see seven and double figures every night like we saw last night, but you know one night it's Monte, another night it's Parsons, another night it's going to be Dirk, you know, another night uh, you know coming off the bench Devin Harris, uh, you know seems to have stuff going so. Uh, they're a really versatile offensive team. And people forget that last year, you know, after the All-Star break, this was the team that led the NBA in offensive efficiency. I mean, offense, again, has never, ever been a problem for a Rick Carlisle coach team. Uh, the issue is defense. They weren't good enough last year there. They know they need to be better. Uh, they don't necessarily need to be great, but they need to be better than where they were. You know, they're in the top you know, 12, 11 in the league in, in defense points allowed, efficiency, that type of thing, and the Mavericks are going to be a very, very difficult out for people come uh, April and May. Chuck Pelicans head coach Monty Williams said it'll probably take about 20 games to see how this team really gels as far as the Pelicans are concerned. I mean, they have their core group of guys, but they weren't healthy last year. With the Mavericks, you have a core group of your guys still here, but it seems like with the additions I mentioned, is it going to take a few games or even maybe a few weeks for this team to kind of gel together, or do you think they're already there? Well, no, they're definitely not there. But the one thing that's really encouraging is that they've not turned over the ball. I mean, they've had uh, nine and ten turnovers in the first two games, which uh, in the past couple of years when they've shuffled the deck, they really have had issues with that. So, I mean, that's that's certainly encouraging. You know, offensively at times this team has just been awesome. I mean, they, you know, uh, you didn't get to see it in the uh, in the game in, in Bossier because the Mavericks sat out uh, their top seven players that night. But uh, the three games, uh, the final three games of the preseason that the Mavericks used their 
their regulars, if you will, through three quarters before they'd empty the bench. I mean, they averaged nearly 90 points, shot 53%, 43% from three. Uh, so, you know, again, from an offensive standpoint, I think they've got really high IQ guys. They know how to play off each other. There aren't a lot of set plays that are called by the Mavericks. It's a lot of reading and reacting, uh, which is, you know, just plays to their strengths. Uh, but the issue, again, is defense. And, and that's the thing that's going to take time. You know, how they play pick and rolls. They got caught at the end of the game in San Antonio on Tuesday night. And Dirk admitted it that uh, he kind of he did something he shouldn't have done, trying to go down and double force D out of the post and open it up for Tony Parker and knock down what proved to be the game week three. So, you know, they've got to figure out things defensively more so than on the offensive end. And if they can figure those things out, you know, to a, a relative level of satisfaction, then they're really going to be good. And, and even as it is, I mean, there are enough games that they're going to be playing, especially early in the season against teams that, uh, you know, we're, we're really sort of the dregs of the league or, uh, you know, teams that are still trying to figure out where they're going, that uh, they're going to be able to get off to a pretty good start here, you know, while they're figuring things out. And then once they do, well, then so much the better. I know really early in the season, but with the division being, in my opinion, the toughest division in basketball, all four, te- four of the five teams making the playoffs last year, how important is it for not just Dallas, but New Orleans to get off to a good start in the division, especially with how hard the Western Conference is as well? Well, I mean, I don't know, I mean, from the division standpoint, if it matters all that much. I mean, yeah, it matters as it comes down to tiebreakers. But to me, uh, given the way the Western Conference is, the real story is what do you do against the East? Mm-hmm. You have to win 20 games against the East in order to even think of yourself as a possible playoff team. Not that you might even make it. The Mavericks were 20-10 and 10 last year and were the eighth seed, you're winning 49 games. So the bottom line there, the East is horrible, and everybody knows it's horrible. So you, you have to make sure that you take care of business in those games. can't have too many slip-ups there because you know life is going to be so difficult in the West. So, you know, is it nice to win your division games and your conference games? Absolutely, because certainly it relates to tiebreakers. But in the bigger picture, if you're trying to make the playoffs, you better win your games against the East. That's a great point. That's Chuck Cooperstein, the radio voice of the Dallas Mavericks. Chuck, I'm assuming you'll be trick-or-treating in the Big Easy tonight, correct? You know what? You, y'all need to tell me this. Uh, is this just this side of Mardi Gras? Is this like the second biggest night of the year on Bourbon Street? Yeah, it's going to be pretty good. Uh, Bourbon Street, uh, Frenchman, uh, and Voodoo Festivals this weekend. It's going to be pretty big down here tonight. Yeah, I, 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 I think I, want to, I, I definitely want to observe. I will definitely not partake. <laughs> so no costume for you tonight? Yeah, I've never been a costume guy. I mean, help, my, my, my look is bad enough as it is. I, I don't need any help. Fair enough. That's Chuck Cooperstein, radio voice of the Dallas Mavericks. Chuck, uh, have a safe flight to the Big Easy. Enjoy the festivities tonight, and we'll talk to you tomorrow uh, when the Pelicans Thanks. take on the Mavericks. Thanks, Chuck. Appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot. Yep. When we come back, I'll wrap up this Friday edition of the Black and Blue Report. The New Orleans Pelicans are taking flight, and you don't want to miss any of the action. The Pelicans' five-game flex plan presented by Domino's is the opportunity to pick the games right for you. Ticket plans are the only way to guarantee seats to the biggest games, including the matchup against LeBron James 
and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Plus, each plan comes with a free Domino's pizza. Five-game packages start as low as $45. Call 525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to score your five-game plan today. Let's get the ball rolling for a thrilling time at the Sanderson Farms Championship PGA Golf Tournament, November 3rd through 9th at the Country Club of Jackson. For lots of first-class golf and fan-pleasing fun, join us for the Sanderson Farms Championship. It'll be quite a ride, unless you're chicken. For ticket information, visit www.sandersonfarmschampionship.com. Want to listen to the Black and Blue Report on your phone? Download the Saints and Pelicans app today. Well, today's show was fun, especially talking about a Saints win. A quick reminder, the contest on both the Pelicans and Saints app is still going on. If you haven't downloaded the app, both of them, make sure you do so and then click on the contest at the top and register to win two courtside seats to the Pelicans-Bulls game on February 7th. That's on the Pelicans app. And on the Saints app, two club tickets to Saints-Ravens on Monday Night Football, plus a Drew Brees number 9 jersey. You still have till Sunday to do so. So if you don't download the app, you should really have it for all the stats, videos, updates, and on the Pelican side, the radio broadcast. And if you have downloaded it, again, top of the screen, click on the contest, fill out the form, and register. You can win uh, Pelicans tickets and Saints tickets, plus a number 9 jersey. Pelicans are back in action tomorrow, as I said earlier, at the Smoothie King Center. Sean Kelly will have the call starting at 6 p.m. Central on 105.3 WWL-FM and the Pelicans Radio Network. On the TV side, as J.D. mentioned in segment two, he'll be on the TV side as David Wesley is out with a prior commitment. So it'll be Joel Myers and John DeShazer. Jen Hale will be on our NFL assignment, so it'll just be J.D. and Joel Myers tomorrow night on Fox Sports New Orleans. Tickets are still available on Pelicans.com. Remember, a free magnet schedule courtesy of Fox Sports New Orleans for all attending tomorrow night's game. For tickets, pelicans.com, or you can call 504-525-HOOP. Again, a huge divisional matchup early against the Dallas Mavericks. Sean will be back hosting on Monday as the Pelicans will be in Memphis to take on the Grizzlies, and we'll start to preview the Saints' big matchup against the San Francisco 49ers. I hope everyone has a great Halloween. Please stay safe. Watch for children or anyone, for that matter, crossing the roads, and please... Don't drink and drive. I hope everyone gets a lot of candy. Feel free to send some my way when you're done. And uh, just have a great time this weekend. Enjoy all the festivities, whether you're going to Voodoo Fest, whether you're going uh, out around town, trick-or-treating, or, of course, going to the Pelicans-Mavericks game tomorrow night. Well, that'll do it for this show. Until Monday, I'm Daniel Salerson. Thanks for listening to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back next week. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source. The Black and Blue Report. Thank you.